Welcome to Wallace Books and the Jello Wars Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Wallace. Whoever thought that children with cancer would be the ones to lift us from our existential funk? Their wisdom, simple and personal, yet profound and universal, helps us circumnavigate these perplexing times. And fortunately, you don't have to walk in their hospital slippers to benefit. Wallace Books presents Jello Wars and Other Battles with Childhood Cancer. It's a book, it's a podcast, and it's life-changing. Because the kids have much to teach, and we, the healthy, have much to learn. Thanks for showing up. This episode is brought to you by Red Dirt Collective, making lives livelier since 1943. Sure, Sedona's known for Red Rock this and Red Rock that. What's not to like? But Red Dirt Collective offers the full experience. Not some dehydrated desert sideshow of a three-ring roadside Ringling Brothers knockoff no stravaganza. Big cats, no snakes, and no clowns with huge shoes but tiny cars. I mean, what's up with that? At Red Dirt Collective, we're 5 by 5 bent and eloquent, thrashing through the passion with resonance, vigilance, and nearly lifelike vitology. We embody the dirty footprints left on the carpet after a quality day in the Red Rocks. Hit us up. We're your one-stop HQ for IDK. N-G-L-I-Y-K-Y-K. That's a Texas 10-4. Stay positive. Red Dirt Collective, making lives livelier since 1943-ish. Hey, Bob here. Let's get personal for just a moment. Yeah, move in real close. So, if you haven't ever found green jello in places green jello really doesn't belong, you've never been to Arizona Camp Sunrise and Sidekicks. And that's okay. We can still be friends. I'm just saying, one day, you may find green jello in places green jello really doesn't belong. Prefer red? Okay, that's good too. Camp is on, and we have no lack of silliness. It's some of the rest of you that I'm a little worried about. Today we'll dissect that topic. Plus we'll talk about normal, whatever that is and a blanket policy I think should saturate the entire world. Strong words. Let's get back to Jello Wars. Silliness Camp is a great disconnect from life and its constant bombardment of stimulus. It wasn't that long ago we had no cell reception on property. If a call was important enough, you could hike to the top of the hill and stand atop the cell phone rock. Left leg extended horizontally, right arm in the air. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Of course, reception has improved, but we enforce a phone policy prohibiting talking, texting, and googling. For the record, there's also no Facebooking, Instagramming, 
Snapchatting, TikToking, or whatever new form of social media the millennials have invented in the last six minutes. Media blasts us with more negative news, slimy politics, and existential dread than ever before. But for the family of a child with cancer, their news feed also contains lab values, test results, and unnerving news of additional surgeries, pokes, prods, biopsies, and injustices to come. We all experience anxiety and dread at times, and we're all in need of an antidote. Seriously, there's no reason to wait until you're old to wear purple, or a full-body chicken suit. I've always looked forward to getting old. Then, instead of being a weirdo, I'll just be considered eccentric. What the world truly needs is more silly walking, bad dancing, and village people cover bands. Camp, of course, provides all of those and more. But now more than ever, the general population could use more endeavors with no objectives other than to make us smile. A few years back, we chose a road trip theme for camp. It was great. Every day we had a different destination, including tourist traps and roadside attractions. To some, the first thing that comes to mind is Route 66, the Mother Road. You know the song, Flagstaff, Arizona, Don't Forget Winona. Arizona boasts the longest continuous stretch of Route 66 in the U.S. 158 uninterrupted miles of the Mother Road pass through the northern part of the state. It's a step back in time, with gift shops, diners, and dives. There's Burma-shaped signs, the Grand Canyon Caverns, and the ghost town of Oatman, where wild burrows wander the streets. But the biggest roadside attraction of all is Giganticus Hedicus. What can I say about Giganticus Hedicus that hasn't already been said about the Great Pyramids of Giza, the Colosseum of Rome, and the Taj Mahal? Well, it's green. Yeah, I guess there's that. Giganticus Hedicus is a massive tiki-style head. Typically, you'd have to travel to Easter Island or the Puttenstuff mini-golf course to see such a thing. But there he is, along the roadside outside of Kingman at Cozy Corners. The 14-foot giant green head bolsters a mesmerizing gaze and a magnificently angular proboscis. And his entire purpose is to make passerby smile. That's it. You don't need a ticket or to pay a cover charge. You just walk up, smile, and take a few selfies. Giganticus Hedicus is awesome, unique, and definitely silly. Bottom line, GH abides. I'm such a fan of the big green one that as soon as we picked the road trip theme, I started building a replica for camp. Ours was approximately four feet tall and mounted on a bicycle rim so you could spin it. Using his huge nose as a pointer, he became a Giganticus game spinner. We placed sealed envelopes all around GH, and at the end of each day, we'd allow one camper to give him a spin. We'd open whichever envelope his nose pointed to, and that would be our destination for the next day. Side note. I could tell you that the envelopes contained all the same destination for the next day's road trip, as we had to have things planned out in advance. I could tell you that, but it feels a little like a magician divulging secrets, and I don't want to get blacklisted from the society. So my official comment is, I can neither confirm nor deny. 
Sometime after camp had concluded, we received a message via our camp website. It was from a guy named Greg Arnold, who claimed to be the artist who created GH. Somehow, through the magic of social media logarithms, and possibly a room full of Russian bots, he'd seen a photo of Giganticus Hedicus at our camp, and wondered how he got there. Valid question. The message was passed to me, and I sent back an email. However, before responding, I did some cursory research. It turns out Greg Arnold is a hugely generous guy, and even paints GH pink during the month of October in honor of breast cancer awareness. Now how cool is that? In the email, I told him I was a big fan of the Giganticus one. I told him about our camp, our road trip theme, and that we had recreated his roadside attraction into a Giganticus game spinner. He loved it and requested more photos. We became fast friends because, when it comes to appreciating the finer points of silliness, Greg is a connoisseur. Of course he is. Who else would put that much time and talent into making people smile? If you find yourself in need of disengaging from the constant barrage of anxiety-laden news, head to Route 66 for a step back to simpler times. And be prepared to smile as you enter the kingdom of Giganticus Hedicus. It was around that same time that two of our counselors, who shall remain nameless, Stephen and Camille, were about to have their first child. I was at a conference with a very stressed and very pregnant Camille, and I wanted to help out. You know, to do my part. They had a lot on their plate, so... To save them the anguish of trying to come up with the perfect name for their child, I decided to do it for them. End result? Their daughter's chosen name is Alopecia. Chosen name, as in, I chose it for them. Such a pretty name. It just rolls off the tongue. Of course, Camille, being a pediatric cancer nurse, knew that alopecia was a medical term for hair loss. But still... Such a pretty name. We've kept up the tradition of helping new camp parents name their offspring. Since Alopecia's birth, there's been Wolfgang, Princess Sriracha, Sir Duderhead, and Chalupa Batman. It's true there have been more, but they either evade my memory, or the child's old enough now, to pay me off to omit their chosen name. It feels good to both continue a tradition and know that we've done our part to help out. Despite the no-camp romances clause in our staff manual, campers tend to grow up and meet their life partners. Likewise, counselors often do the same. In a nobody-requested-it-but-it's-become-a-semi-official-camp-duty thing, duty, several of us counselors have become ordained ministers and have performed camp weddings. That is, Weddings involving grown-up campers and or weddings involving immature counselors. When one of us conducts a ceremony, you can count on there being a secret word. It's become tradition. The aforementioned secret word remains closely guarded until it's uttered to the wedding officiant just moments before the bride walks down the aisle. The officiant's job is to subtly, or not so subtly, slip the word in during the ceremony. This is, of course, strictly for our entertainment, and, although not expressly stated, it's become an understood prerequisite for anyone asking one of us to officiate their wedding. 
Many brides and or grooms have expressed excitement over the secret word. Many other people have noted how tolerant camp spouses tend to be. Of course, there's money on the line. Camp people aren't generally known for their wealth, but they're charitable to a fault, and the pot can be enticing. But what really drives the officiant is aspiring to perform an earnest ceremony while, at the same time, cashing in on a double-dog dare of a secret word. Whatever percentage of the audience is camp people, anxiously await the word or phrase to pop out. And it does. Past words have ranged from rickshaw to Bieber fever, chantilly to bumfuzzle. In an unprecedented moment of synchronicity, Counselor Camille was in the hospital and in labor with her and Stephen's second child during the camp wedding of David and Cammie. Stumpy was officiating and was given the simultaneous duty of presenting the secret word and the chosen name of Camille and Stephen's new child, all during the ceremony. He nailed it spectacularly, and it's going to be a tough one to beat. There's been talk that the secret word for the next camp wedding may very well be Wham Bam Can of Spam. Don't say you weren't warned. Unlike us camp folk, the British are often made out to be stuffy and unfunny. However, the general public of the UK have shown they truly enjoy silliness. Britain's Natural Environment Research Council needed a name for a new Arctic explorer, a research ship that cost them £200 million to build. They ran a public poll and received more than 7,000 entries during the month-long competition. The end result was that the overwhelming burden of public opinion wished to dub the state-of-the-art polar research vessel Bodie McBoatface. After the crowdsourced name made the news, Bodie McBoatface again won when Emerald Class Ferries of Sydney, Australia ran a similar competition to name one of their new fleet. Being the name had already been taken, the judges opted for the second-place choice, Ferry McFerryface. A public vote also named a skate park in Essex, England, Skatey McSkateface. Yellowknife, in the Northwest Territories of Canada, used a similar crowdsourcing to name a sculpture of a muskox. Now I know what you're thinking, but no, Musky McMuskoxface didn't win. It came in second, edged out by the equally silly Elon Muskox. And let's not forget Alexander Camelton. A.C. was a four-foot-tall, 81-pound Bassetron camel born at Chicago's Lincoln Park Zoo. He was the first successful offspring of Nissan and Scooter, and the first camel born at the zoo since 1998. In 2011, the city of Austin, Texas polled its residents looking for a new name for its Solid Waste Services Department. Turns out the words garbage and waste management elicit different images from different people. The name that received nearly 30,000 votes and beat all the other candidates by a landslide was Fred Durst Society for the Humanities and Arts. For those of you who may not remember, or care for that matter, Fred was the frontman of an equally loved and hated 1990s rap rock band, Limp Biscuit. Via Twitter, Durst actually said he appreciated the support and hoped the name won. However, the city ultimately rejected the moniker and named the facility 
Austin Resource Recovery. Hmm, I guess you can't win them all. The entire world has been experiencing some tough times of late, and I think an infusion of silliness could be a much-needed antidote. We can all use more giant green heads, secret words, and ridiculous names to help us grin down the woes of the world. Let's give it our foolish best. Nobody Cries Alone I've never understood what constitutes normal, and I'm still not convinced it's something to pursue. For some, there's the precancer normal that most of us experience, where we feliciously believe we have all the time in the world to do all the things we want. And for some, there's the post-cancer normal, where time is a finite thing, every day is a gift, and there are no guarantees. Two very different normals. But I think it's safe to say that nobody is truly normal. We're all unique, and we're all injured in one way or another. You, me, all of us. It's what makes us interesting. Face it. If you've gotten this far in life, never having been marooned on the island of misfit toys, we're probably not friends. I mean, what would we even have to talk about? Life is a journey, and you have to pick your travel companions wisely. Be sure they're road trip compatible and supportive of both your conventional qualities and your weird ones. Especially the weird ones. Whether you're introverted, extroverted, socially awkward, or secretly Canadian. I'm confident you've felt damaged in some way. We all do. It's normal. Normal, normal. It's a universal truth. It's what bonds us in humanity. Many try to hide it, but it's still part of who we are. Embrace your uniqueness, because, seriously, normal is boring. As children walking to school, my brother used to tell me, Robbie, walk normal. This confused me, as I didn't realize I was walking abnormally. In my attempts to correct my gait and walk normal, I inevitably ended up stumbling around like a drunken marmot. Of course, my brother found this hilarious. Kevin Fern knows a lot about walking. Remember him? He's the guy walking through Midwest thunderstorms, pushing a lightning rod disguised as an IV pole. I've been following him on social media. Today he's in southwest Kansas. He's visited children's hospitals, done tons of TV, radio, and print interviews, and has talked to thousands of interested onlookers, telling each one of the importance of childhood oncology camps. In his youth, Kevin had battled cancer survived, and attended Camp Can-Do. He was a lucky young man, but, like most kids, cancer or no cancer, he wanted to be normal and to fit in. I was tired of being associated with cancer and being singled out as the CK, cancer kid. He told me, I didn't want to be affiliated with being sick. I wanted to be around the normal crowd. Kevin devised a plan. He would separate himself from the cancer community. He didn't return to Camp Candu. He got a job. 
he got married, and he went about building his normal life. How did that go for him? In his own words, turns out the normal world can be a pretty nasty place. Kevin sensed something was missing from his life, something he'd known years earlier. He was older, a mature adult, but yearned for the camaraderie of a shared community with an intimate understanding of each other's trials. What he was missing was camp culture and the fraternity of childhood cancer. Time was ticking away, he says, and putting things off till tomorrow becomes less and less realistic. Now living in California, Kevin did his research and pursued a position at Camp Akaizu. He thinks it was 2007, but said he'd have to check his camp t-shirts to know for sure. Side note. Camp themes, depicted on camp t-shirts, serve as a calendar system embedded in the closets of every veteran camp volunteer. Since then, Kevin's embraced his cancer and advocates for the importance of oncology camps. While Camp Kandu was life-changing, he told me, Camp Akaizu has been life-affirming. Cammie was already an adult when she first came to Camp Sunrise. She was in the middle of a chemotherapy run and was completely bald. Touring the campus, she came across a young girl sitting on the wall outside the bathhouse, intently working on a friendship bracelet. Cammie sat down and said, Hi, I'm Cammie. The girl, still focused on her project, said, I'm Emily, but for tonight's dance, I'll be Princess Leia. She looked up from her friendship bracelet in progress and noticed Cammie's bald head. Do you have cancer? Yep, Cammie told her. I'm in the middle of chemotherapy. The girl touched her own hair and shrugged. It'll grow back, she said, returning to her project at hand. The princess's nonchalance and matter-of-fact decree during their brief encounter solidified Cammie's path forward. She'd go home, finish her chemotherapy, grow her hair back, and get on with the important things in life. Like friendship bracelets. Cammie knew Princess Leia had her back, and she knew the future was full of promise. Michael Fronte is another unique human being. He writes songs, a lot of songs. Most of his songs are uplifting, some rally against social injustice, many are thoughtful, and all support the struggling people of the world. Stay Human sums up his worldview. I last saw Michael about a year ago, and between songs, he talked about a standing policy in his home. That policy, simply put, is, nobody cries alone. It's unspoken, but this is also a policy at Arizona Camp Sunrise. Doesn't matter if it's homesickness, physical sickness, family problems, or fear of the future. When you offer another person your shoulder and your ear, you validate their suffering. And that's a big deal. We all need other human beings. Others who understand our flaws, yet have our backs. Our tribe. We need friends who will challenge us, dare us, double-dog dare us, and then laugh at us, sometimes with us, other times just to the left of us.
Friends who will unflinchingly be there for a shared cry. Even pushing an IV pole solo across the entire United States of America, Kevin is not alone. His camp family has his back. Cammie is not alone. Princess Leia has her back. The campers of Arizona Camp Sunrise are not alone. Our Campley has their backs. Nobody cries alone. This should be a standard policy of all camps, and all homes, and schools, workplaces, and social gatherings. Wouldn't it be a wonderful blanket policy for the world at large? Our politicians and policymakers never seem to come up with simple grassroots policies that positively impact most of us, and waiting for governments to figure out how to improve the world seems futile at best. This is our opportunity. Let's adopt it ourselves. The Nobody Cries Alone Bill, proposed by Michael Fronte and unanimously ratified by Kevin, Cammie, Princess Leia, you, and me. And just like that, the world became a little bit better place. Stay human. Thanks for tuning in to Wallace Books and the Jello Wars podcast. The kids of Arizona Camp Sunrise have been my greatest mentors, and they're here to assist you, too. You can find additional episodes of the podcast and more about the book, Jello Wars, and other battles with childhood cancer at wallacebooks.com. That's W-A-L-L-A-S-S books.com. Just go to the website or search Wallace Books wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe and like. You can learn more about Arizona Camp Sunrise at azcampsunrise.org. Podcast theme music by M Dub Music. Sound effects from Sonic Boom. Keep listening to Wallace Books Jello Wars podcast and let the kids change your life for the better. See you down the road.